mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like in the eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is The Art of Masculinity with your host, Johnny Elsasser. Hey everyone, today's guest is Chris Chandler Yates. He is an American Kiwi. He's a former New Zealand police officer who did the job for seven years, protected their honorary Sir John Key, some prime minister from New Zealand. Sorry, bro. Uh, I don't know if we recognize you because you're not American, but anyways, <laughs> really awesome, really awesome human being. But he experienced severe burnout in his job, which actually caused him to experience his own journey of self-care, recovery, and personal development. He is now incredibly passionate about helping officers and first responders check in with their mental health and reduce the opportunity of burnout to exist. He has an amazing podcast called The Burnout Podcast, which I had the fortune of being on as well, and really is passionate about helping people experience a beautiful life in these very high octane jobs. So as somebody who has gone through burnout himself, he definitely has put in the time and effort into building himself once again from the ashes and letting people know that mental health is a big deal in these fields. And if it goes unchecked, we can find ourselves in very, very dark places. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode for all my first responders out there, for all my high octane professionals out there, guys, really, really take a listen to this episode. If there's anything that resonates with you, please let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. If there's anything that you guys need to check in with me or with Chris, make sure you guys let us know. But truly appreciate all of you guys out there doing some really tough jobs. And I know you guys will enjoy this episode. So I'll see y'all around the corner. Awesome, Johnny. Well, here we are talking about fitness and mindset and masculinity and the importance of us and our old specialty squads that we used to do. Um, just so that viewers and listeners know a bit about me, I'm ex-New Zealand police, uh, originally from California. I've been here in New Zealand 18 years. Did everything from frontline to looking after uh, two prime ministers and even got to work alongside Secret Service when Biden came over as vice president uh, here, along with other diplomat protect, <laughs> you know, diplomats and stuff like that. So I got to do some fun stuff. I got to see some cool things. And um, yeah, fitness has always been a part of my life and kind of saved my my life when I was going through burnout and PTSD and all of that. So we're going to talk a bit about it today. Johnny, why don't you tell audience or you know, your audience and my audience, because this is going to go on both of our platforms. Uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about um, yourself and your background as well? So that, you know, those that don't know, you know, 
can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for me, it's uh, been former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger, served four combat tours between Iraq and Afghanistan, then did another five years living in Iraq, protecting the U.S. ambassador to Iraq. So I protected three different ambassadors, protected numerous different politicians uh, that came through. I also protected Biden. He came through there when Obama was president. So I uh, did a lot of that working, coinciding with uh, Secret Service in the Middle East because we were the subject matter experts in the area. So that was a lot of fun, too. But, yeah, I lived that life for, for about 10 years, uh, coming out of high school, about 17 years old. And then from there, I've dove into men's development since I came back and realized the struggle and the transition for a lot of people with backgrounds similar to ours, but uh, male and female. You know, women have struggled, too, when they're coming from those super alpha masculine high octane jobs. And they have similar things that burden them when they come out of that and how they can relate back to the world. And not only, you know, it's really funny. I haven't talked about this. Maybe it's something we can talk about, too, because yeah. I know some of your audience is women. But it's how do women kind of get that femininity back after coming from like a super ultra masculine environment, you know, Um that's something that I haven't dove into, but I know that there's a lot of women out there that are seeking that because they want to be with a man and men particularly are super like, oh yeah, I want to get this, this woman who's like, acts like one of my bros, like guys want that femininity too. You know, they want that softness, that nurturing from, from their counterpart. So I've never actually dove into that on a podcast. It'd be very interesting to explore our, I mean, obviously neither of us are women, so we're not going to no. know the inner workings, but we can, we can, uh, we can assume and project. Yeah. So all you women out there, yeah. don't don't be offended. We're just two no. dudes talking about it, but you're more than welcome to give us some comments on if we hit the nail on the head or not. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's awesome. I love the fact that, you know, and this is I, I didn't realize this until literally just now, but you're doing a lot of the post stuff. So like helping people get out of it and that. And my my passion's about the pre. So set people up with the tools so that they don't have to live in that hard masculinity. You know, that, that I guess the, the terms out there, the, the toxic masculinity of our, the professions that we were in, because you don't need, I don't believe that you need to, yes, there's times where you need to step into it, but being able to balance both of them is so much more powerful. And I love that you, yeah, you're talking about, you know, females, a lot of my clients are females. And so I have, I think I have a little bit of an insight into that and working with of the 600 people I've helped in the last four years, probably working with probably about 400 of them are females. So <laughs> I think I've, 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 I've got an idea of that, but I think, no, that'd be, that'll, that'll be great as well as talking about that fitness side of stuff today. Uh, so Johnny, I guess what we'll do today, if you're open to it, we'll just kind of go back and forth and ask, <laughs> ask each other questions about different things around when it comes to our backgrounds about fitness about, and then we can kind of talk about the, 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 the not having to tap into that toxic masculinity in, in the professions that, or, you know, staying in them when we come out of it, uh, in the, in our, our past career. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Absolutely, Perfect. man. Let's do it. So when great. it comes to, when it comes to training, because I'm curious as well, because all I know is kind of a, a high level of kind of things when it comes to training, uh, and, and through ranger as a ranger like active duty i know you got to do so much to get into it so there's that kind of level but you got to keep that level in my eyes uh what did you guys do and why when you were active when you're an active ranger inspector and you know special ops well uh it's a, it's a great question um the first piece of that is because the fact that you know there's a 
this is my the fundamentals behind my beliefs of, of how I teach people, how I coach people and everything else. And this is what I was raised in in special operations was the fundamental, the foundations of, of whatever we're going to do in life. Uh, and so this is why we train so hard. The foundations are what keep you alive. The foundations are where we resort back to. Like people want to say that you're going to go back to your instincts and your instincts that there's, there is a little bit of pre, uh, primordial instincts, right? That those instincts of, you know, evolutionary instincts of survival, but those instincts of survival start to elevate as we gain consciousness and awareness. So for us, what survival looks like at 10 years old is different from survival at 20 years old. So the reason why is we've gained experience, we've gained knowledge, we've trained, right? This is why it's important because all those things have gone into play and then we've created a new foundation and instinctual response. Now survival is still the response, but the mechanism of modality in which we survive is different, right? From 10 years old to 20 years old and from 20 to 30. And so it's all about how you build those foundational skills. So in the military, especially in special operations, we get, we're chasing down really, really bad people. And the people that we're going after are hunting us as well. They're not just sitting idly by. So like we've gone on, I've been on missions where we've gone into compounds that were completely rigged to blow up and kill all of us coming in. And then we had to get out of that situation and still go after these terrorists. They're not just sitting there like, hey, man, just playing Xbox, waiting for us to show up at their door. Oh, Dan, you got me, bro. Oh, all right, man, I'll see you later. That's not how it goes. But the reason why we train so hard on the foundations is because when you're going after something, now, whether this is in life or whether this is in, you know, executing a mission, you have to be flexible. And how are you flexible if your foundations suck? right? That's where the big problem goes. So we trained so hard because we had to adapt to so many different environments. We had to adapt to so many different modalities and things that could come into play in the environment. So many different pieces we could never, ever imagine seeing that all of a sudden it shows up and we're like, oh crap. Now what happens in that instinct, right? When we go to instinct, if people want to say that you're going to go to instinct, well, you go into the fight or flight method, right? And now they've added fawn, what the fuck ever, but it's fight or flight, right? So like everybody just wants to add their own flavor on shit all the time. It's like fight or flight. That's basically what you're going to do, fight or flight. And so what happens is you're going to go into that fight or flight method when, when everything goes and then the instincts come. And if you are in the method of fight or, or uh, fl sorry, flight or what they consider like fawn, right? I've seen guys do this. They'll freeze up in a moment. And then it's because a lot of times they're not confident in their skills. They're not confident in their foundations and they're not able to adapt. And so we train so hard because adaptability is key. Like that was our bread and butter. People want to say it's all kinds of other things. It was adaptability. We could take organized chaos and make it look like a dance, but it's because we could walk straight here, run into something there do a turn, walk to that point, do a sidestep and still make it out of the same door up there because we can figure out how to just adjust and be fluid in the environment. That is why it's important to have foundational training. That's why it's very important for us to have the fundamentals of everything we're doing. That's why training from your body to your mindset is all about consistent training so you can become adaptable when those moments hit.
I love that, man. Like my motto for a long time, like ever since I left the place and it's my motto in my business is train hard, test easy. Cause as, as you said, mm -hmm. when we yeah. train hard and we train, you know, to the, to the limits, the tests become so much easier because we can, like you said, adapt to it. We can shift with it. We can find a way through and around instead of just giving up and rolling over and going, okay, I'm done now. And in our past professions, yeah. If you give up and you roll over, well, it's not just your life. A lot of the times it's the life of your colleagues. It's the life of civilians. It's the life of, you know, bad things happen. Um, and so, no, I, I love that, man. That's, that's so, that's so, yeah, the way that you said it was perfect. Well, yeah. Well, and, and I love your saying of train hard, test easy, because that's essentially like what happens when you don't know what the test has, right? What, what happens? Yeah. Everybody over trains. They or they over for people that aren't seeing this. I'm putting up quotes. They overtrain, so they have no clue how hard the test is going to be. So they make it incredibly hard on themselves. They're like, I'm going to give myself the hardest things. I'm going to research everything before I go take this test because it could be on any of these subjects within this one broad subject. So I need to know pieces of all of this. Then they get to the test and it's ten questions and it's super easy stuff that they knew before they even trained super hard to be, to, to make sure they pass the test. And then they're like, oh crap. Well, I mean, maybe I didn't need to do that, but the test was super easy. And like, that actually was way less intimidating than I thought. I made out this, this thing to be something super crazy in my head. Yeah. So the effectiveness of training over training or, or training to a high level, let's put it that way, training to a high level prior to the test allowed them to look as the test is easy because they had no concept of what the test was going to hold. Therefore, they had to raise the stakes on what they knew so they could make sure that they could address everything and at least pass, right? So that's where I love that saying because you're going to train so much harder when you don't know what the other side of the picture looks like. And whether now, depending on what you're doing with your mindset or what you're doing with your body or what you're doing for you know work in general when you don't know what the other side of that looks like but you're determined to get there you're always going to push harder and you're going to raise the stakes on yourself so that you can get there and be successful because you don't want to get there and fail because then now you've been going on this process you're gonna have to turn around and tell everybody you failed this is what people like this is why people don't even start things because they're so scared of who they have to tell they failed so you know if you start the path majority of people are gonna be like well I don't want to turn around and tell people I failed. So I'm going to train really hard or I'm going to push the stakes higher. So that's, I love that saying. That's a really good one. Uh, yeah. I, I've lived by it for a long time. And that's why in the gym I train, I train. And you know, when I, when I say it, a lot of people interpret it, Oh, you got to give everything that you have, everything you, you know, you got to give, it's got to be this bar up here. The bar changes like training hard is giving what you have yeah. in that moment. There's two days ago in the gym when I, when I was, I went in and it was just like, I'm tired. My body's sore. Things just aren't going. I'm just going for the movements. And a lot of times you go in, you know, this from going to the gym, you go in, you, you start doing the movements and it turns into one of those good workouts. Well, that day it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I go, Hey, that's actually a test of how resilient and how adaptable, as you said, am I to actually going, okay, cool. It's one of those days, chalk it up to that and move on to the next day. Um, yep. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, that's funny. I had a, well, earlier this week, cause I've been sick all week. Um, I don't stop training in the gym cause it boosts your immune system. So it's a very positive influence on your immune system to get into the gym. The fortunate thing is I also have a home gym. So I don't have to worry about getting anybody else sick, 
So I went down and trained, bro. I was just sucking ass, but I was like, you know what? I'm down here. And there was like moments where I was like, just bro, just get upstairs. You're embarrassing yourself. Like just get upstairs. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm going to stay down here. And it literally, I had that conversation for probably a good 30 minutes out of a 50 minute workout. And the next thing I know, I looked at my, my watch and I was like, Oh shit, it's 55 minutes. All right. And I worked, I did my whole workout. And I was like, you know what? I did the whole workout. It wasn't as beautiful as it always seems and looks, right? But it got me in here, and it was the momentum of doing it. And you're right, man. There's those days that just they're they're not winners. They're well, they're not winners in the context of like you know guys like or guys and gals who have high expectations for themselves. But they're winners in the sense of like you didn't stop. You didn't stop the routine, and you continued to train. And although you weren't doing it at the highest level possible whether you were incapable, whether your body just didn't feel it that day, you still train the foundational pieces. And that's what's important. You still trained the, the foundational pieces that you've been laying out and you didn't give up on it. And so that's incredibly important for that. So that, that, that training like mindset of just being in there, yeah, it's not always going to be your best day in the gym or your best day, you know, reading self-help books or your best day writing content. It's not, it just isn't, man. Sometimes it's not even your best week, bro. You just go through these, we all go through, I mean, you look at these sports players, they go through slumps. You'll see guys like Mike Trout, who's one of the most prolific batters in all of baseball. And this guy's still a kid compared to, you know, a lot of people. And this dude has slumps, you know, Bryce Harper, great batter, has slumps. Pitchers have slumps. They all have slumps. Yep. And what happens, they'll go through a stretch in the season where these guys just are not performing, but then they come out of it and they are aces, right? And then they just go. And so it's it's just like all of us in life. I think we we put so much expectation on ourselves that are super high sometimes because we we just constantly are looking at the mountaintop instead of saying, like, I want to be part of the process. And I'd love to get your insight on that. Like, what do you see from a lot of your clients? What are you seeing from a lot of the people that you're working with who are just constantly like, they're never cutting themselves slack in the sense of like, hey, just respect every day. Work hard, but respect every day. You don't have to just keep looking at the mountaintop. Yeah, I, like it's it's so common because especially, you know, in the roles that we did or the people that I that I'm that I'm helping and assisting to become the best police officers that they can be or the best people that they can be. Uh, a lot of them are a type personalities, you know, that, that, that alpha kind of, I can do anything I can get, you know, but then also deep down inside, they're sitting there going, there's no way I'm going to do this. I can't accomplish this. And it is that whole looking at the, you know, like your analogy, looking at the mountaintop of, I have to be there all the time. And I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm bad at it as well. I'm like, I want to be here. And, you know, I'm getting better at it every single day. And I'll be honest with about it. Uh, and it's that wanting things now before you go through the process and without the process, you can't actually get there. And my, my belief and from, you know, working with a lot of people on this is it actually comes down to not knowing yourself, not actually mm -hmm. knowing who you are as a person, as a man, as a woman, who you are and what your values are, what your beliefs are, what your purpose or your, I call it your, you know, your, why your mission in life for yourself. We, um, you know, as, as children, we're always told to, you know, look after people and give to other people. I really, if I ever did have kids, which I'm not, but if I ever did, I would never tell them they have to share because you're now telling them that they're sitting there enjoying something. And some other kid comes over and goes, I want that toy. Oh, you need to share the toy. 
because that's telling them look after everybody else before yourself. Yes. You know, when you're, when you're content with it and you're good with that toy, bring the kid in and play with it together, but don't just give, give it away because then you're actually going, well, I'm giving away the things that are important to me. And so when you're, when you're, when you're always looking for that mountaintop, you're always looking for that. I have to be at this certain level or I'm not good enough. Well, then you're always going to feel not good enough. And you're, because you don't know what you want and what you need, when you know what you want and you need, then you can go through the process and you can be like, okay, well, today's not a great training day, but guess what? I'm going through the mo motions. I'm going through the movement and tomorrow will, it, it's helping me get to that mountaintop because yeah, I know who I am and I know that today is not that day, but it's getting me towards mm -hmm. that mountaintop. So yeah, that's the kind of things that really they, that I, I find my clients struggle the most with is around that they don't know actually who they are. So they can't actually apply it to the process. They're always just thinking that they need to be this specific person because again, they don't know who they are. Can you, uh, do you think that you cannot know your why, but know who you are? No, I feel like you're, you, you, you'll have an why idea. Not? You'll have you'll have an idea of it, but just like just like you know, for example, um, when you'd go on operations, the operations that felt easier and felt more flowy and smoother were they ones where you knew the compound or you didn't know the compound. We didn't know any compound. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you didn't. You didn't. Um, but I mean, like, we so would we would get we would get some ISR you know, stuff, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't really, I mean, you don't really know the compound at all. No, no but like, if, okay. Let me rephrase that. If you, um, did you feel like things were a little bit smoother and more, uh, you know, things felt a little bit, a little, you know, on the, on the scale were, were, were easier and more kind of, you were like, okay, they flowed a little bit better when you had more information or less about well, the operation that you did. Yeah. And so by knowing who you are, you're actually clear. You have a clear, precise direction. So for example, I know that my mission, my, my, me, I'm a person who likes to be seen. And I'm a person who likes to help people truly see themselves. And so if I'm living from that and I'm being able to do that, also, I like to create less pain for people. So if I'm sitting there directing it from those two points of view, I have clarity on why something feels off and why something feels on because I can clearly articulate and I clearly have the information for it. And then I can apply things to it. The things that aren't applied to that, they feel heavy and hard and, and dragging. And so when you can tap into that, that's when you actually start to know who you are and you start to have that drive and that, that purpose clearer and without feeling like you, you don't get knocked as much as what I've seen. I mm. think that, I think that answers you your think question. <laughs> Do you think that, uh, do you think like training helps people find who they are? Yes, because training puts you into those hard positions and, and gets the, it, it forces you to, to clear the mind and be, and be here. And so it puts you through that, that, um, it, it lets things out of your brain. And so you start to get through and if you let it do it properly, when you're training hard, like I love running these days when I was, when I was younger, I hated running. And I now recognize why I hated running because it forced me to actually look at who I am. The things like when you want to stop running, when you want to stop pushing hard. And for me, it's running. For some people, it's weights. Some people, it's hit training. Some people, it's CrossFit, whatever it is. Mine's running. 
And so when I'm doing it and it gets really hard, it's actually a lot of the internals of myself coming out and saying, dude, this is what's really going on in your life. It's not the fact that you want to stop or that it's hard or that, you know, you can't breathe. It's actually the fact of the demon inside my head going, well, Chris, why aren't you on track? Why aren't you, um, why aren't you, why are you doing X, Y, Z instead of X, Y, instead of the thing that's actually helping people see themselves or helping create less pain? Why are you sitting there just not on social media, for example? Because <laughs> when you're on social media, you're helping people see themselves, you're helping yourself see yourself and you're also helping create less pain. And so, yeah, so I think training definitely helps you if you use it in the right, in the right um, way. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, yeah, I think that training it, um, I think there's still forms of out with training because now mm. that we have, you know, obviously earbuds and, you know, mobile freaking music machines in our pockets and everything else, you can escape the conversations that I love when I work out or that I loved when I was doing a lot of stuff in the military, like land navigation and things like that. But, um, I think there is a way that you, I think you gain ownership over yourself because mm -hmm. when you do train and you start to look back, I'm not talking about the fat fucks that are just sitting in the gym. They're like, go and work out. And they're sitting on a machine and looking at their phone the whole time. And then they go and have beers with their buddies and they still look sloppy. Like, I'm not talking about that. Those people I'm talking about the people who go and actually work out. Yeah. And then they're like, they're doing stuff. But I think the, where they find themselves is when they start to see the change in their body. And then they start to see, if they if they're on that development path and they start to have awareness of the positive mindset that follows when you start to see change in yourself and then you start to establish confidence and confidence for me is where i think i see people find themselves more than anything else yeah because when you have confidence in who you are it doesn't matter as much all the arrows that are kind of being shot into your your energetic bubble it doesn't matter about, and by arrows, I mean like the social impacts and things like that. And that's where I think training can be very important because it establishes confidence. And in confidence, I think people really find who they are because when they show up that way, when they show up with their shoulders back, their back straight, their, their ambitiousness to have conversations with people and to be in society, those people that have that confidence, they tend to, they tend to want to show who they are to more people because the fact that they're confident with displaying that version of themselves. And that's where that authenticity comes out. And I think that's for men and women. Like it's, it's very much a thing with confidence, you know, that like, obviously women who are more confident in their appearance, because I think obviously women have a much harder time with the appearance mindset than men do. Now men have it as well, but not nearly as bad as women do, but the women that do have their confidence in their their uh, fitness level and the way they look and things like that have a much easier time coming up and actually instigating conversations with men and other women, as opposed to needing the guy to come talk to them. And so um, same thing with guys is the more confidence they have, they tend to want to reach out and make those conversations. So long story short is that like training influences confidence, confidence influences somebody to know who they are and to know where they're going to go in life or how they would like to get there in life. Now it doesn't develop a purpose, but it gives them the ability to see who they are. Yeah, no, def definitely. You know, physiology is your, is your base, the way that you move, the way that you act, the way that you hold yourself 
reconcretes in where you're looking what you're doing, how you're, you know, all the, all the thoughts that go through your head. So completely, totally, uh, you know, agree. And you, you simplified down my, my, my complex answer. Um, very, very well. So I appreciate <laughs> that, Johnny. Um, no, I, yeah. I think that's, I think that's definitely true. You know, I love the fact that you talked about that, that confidence side of stuff, because you look at people that are in the gym. I've been training with a friend of mine who he came to me. I've known him for years. We sail together. He's a big guy. He's as tall as I am six foot six. I think he's about six, five, but he's weighing in about 150 kilos, which is, uh, for those in the U S it's about just, it's over 300 pounds. Now he's big a big boy. guy. He's solid. Like we hop on the ground, on the pedestal grinder on the boat and stuff. And he's, he's got that stuff. Now he's, he's like, Chris, I want to lose some weight and I want to build some strength. And so I was like, cool, come jump in on my training. It's going to kick your, it's going to kick your rear end, but, um, come drop in. And when he first started, he was doing like little weights and he was doing little stuff and he was using me as motivation and confidence to get into the gym. Now he hasn't lost a ton of weight. And because we know the weight comes down to eating and that, and he's working on that. But when it comes to the, his strength side of stuff, he's now like, he started leg pressing, like, what was it? Like a hundred pounds. And now he's leg pressing like 300, almost 400 pounds. And he's like, mm -hmm. man, I feel so good. He's benching a lot more. He's, and he's like, I feel so much stronger. I'm lifting sails up because he runs his own boat uh, maintenance company on that. And he's like, I'm lifting sails up. That used to be a struggle. And I'm just throwing around. And again, that whole confidence side of stuff, because now he can start to look at, okay, cool. Where do I want to take this? Who do I want to become with this and take, and, and then you start to take more action. And that's that, that's why my motto is that train hard test easy, because when the judgments come up in your head, it's just another test, but that physiology is everything. Like, you know, what is it? They did a study. I think it was, was it Stanford did a study on people just standing in a superhero pose increases testosterone mm -hmm. by like 25% reduces cortisol by like 23. Yeah. Just by standing. So if you're going in the gym with your shoulders back and you're, you know, you're confident, like I wear singlets, like muscle tees and stuff in the gym and that, not because I'm like, Oh, look at me, look at me, which is, you know, part of my, my, why my purpose is to be seen, but I'm looking at myself, but it's because I'm confident. I'm confident in who mm -hmm. I am. And I've always done it. Even when I had a belt, like when I was, heavier in the beginning of the year and that because again that 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 confidence but that comes through training and it comes through you know actions taking actions johnny we talked about at the beginning talking about um you know that a type personality and that that um that masculine becoming that like that 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 version of yourself that you're not truly are within spec ops within military within the police what's your belief on you know well how do you help your your people come back from being that like especially the female let's talk about it. let's go into that female side and for all those females we're just putting yeah. our masculine our, our our observations on it so please drop in the comments <laughs> what your beliefs are or if we hit it on the head at all what do you believe is, yeah. the, is the is the best way for women and men because I, I feel like even men like as you've said men come out of it and they we believe that we are this certain image and we lose that identity. I know speaking to the cop, you lose that identity of I'm a cop and this is why I do what I do now. So your identity is you, not what you do. What's your belief to be able to bring that back for men and for women? Uh, really good question. And I think for both, the first piece is you got to disassociate from, you just put it perfectly, from what you do, from who you are. Mm -hmm. Like most, almost everybody listening right now can can attest to this. When you meet a new person, you don't say, 
Uh, most people don't say, who are you? They say, what do you do? And immediately, what do you do classifies them as who they are. And people feel that way too. Because then when you're like, hey man, my name is Johnny. What's your name? You're like, I'm Chris. I'm like, oh yeah. So, you know, what's life like for you? Like, oh, well, I'm a this. It's always the first thing that comes out of people's mouth. I'm a this. Okay. That's not who you are. That's that's a job you do. That's a that's a cog in the wheel that everybody told you you had to go be part of so you could be included in society. That's not that's not who you are. You know, who you are is like what you said. You're like you're you're somebody that wants to be there to show people who their light within themselves by showing your light and allow them to to see that and be able to promote that. That's that's who you are. The, what you do is not who you are. So the first thing is what a lot of people from these high octane jobs and. I'd love to get your perspective on this too here in a second from, from where you came from. But most people are, they believe their purpose is what they did. So especially for special operations, like our purpose. Yeah. Like we were fighting for each other next to one another. Like we never wanted our buddies to get shot, but right here behind me, this flag, this is what we stood for. Like, this is what we fought for every day. It was way bigger than us. Well, that is the epitome of what a purpose is. It's way bigger than you. And so that became what we believed we were. And so when we left and this no longer was what we were fighting for, and we were told that we had to go get a job or we chose, not even we had to tell because that's not what it was. We chose to go get another job. We chose to get out of the military. We chose to do something different with our lives. We all of a sudden had this really weird separation of like, still saying this, this flag was me, this purpose, this was my purpose, but I'm not doing a job that's aligned with that purpose. So it became misalignment. And then that's where the depression kicks in. That's where the, the, the mediocrity kicks in. That's where the mundane kicks in. That's when life just becomes pure, just, Hey, let me live for the weekend and get another drink in myself. Like that's all it is because our purpose is not near our trajectory in life anymore. And the problem is, is that this was never like, this was never who we actually were. It was something that we believed in. So it gave us our why for why we got up every day and said, yeah, I'm willing to go get shot at and blown up today. Cool. Yeah. This is going to be fun. That's why. But at the end of the day, we never separated that when we left. And so we have to first say, hey, what we did is not who we are. Now the gloves come off. We get to choose whatever it is we want to be. We get to choose anything that we desire to move forward to in life. And when that purpose, that true, true purpose comes up, not passion, but when that purpose comes up, we're ready to take that on and say, that is part of me. That is part of my soul's contract with this earth. That's part of the, my soul's contract with this body and this life that lights me up every day. That's who I am. So I'd love to get your perspective on that as well. But yeah. So through the last few years, I've done a lot of work on this because when I left the police, I left from burnout, PTSD. Uh, I had depression. I had anxiety, like wasn't ever officially diagnosed, but my counselor was like, Chris, you're burned down. You have states of depression, anxiety, you name it, you have it from most likely from all the PTSD and trauma that you that you've seen, which um, so then I left and I I had a long fight with it. And even like even up until probably about 18, 18 months to two years ago, like, yeah, 18 months ago, I still was 
had a, had a little bit of a, you know, somebody would say something bad about police and my back would come up, you know, now it's, now it's not because I've really tapped into, and I knew who I was out of that and the identity had shifted, but it hadn't been concreted in. And so long story, long story short, what I've, what I've recognized is that our why or who we actually are, not what we do, but who we actually are was seeded and planted when we were really young. Like I'm talking pre seven, pre six, when we were developing and it will 99.9% of the time and seen some positive cases, but most of, most of the time it comes from what we perceive as a negative occurrence or a negative thing. So mine, for example, my why of want of needing to be seen, which is my why needing to be seen comes from my dad going to chiropractic school when I was a kid. And he'd be gone all week long in San Francisco, about four and a half hours away, come home on the weekends. And then every time he'd leave, I'd cry myself to sleep. And so that's where mine drops into because I didn't feel like I was seen by my dad ever. Yet, if I actually look at it and I'm actually aware of it now, I was seen all the time. I was like, you know, in my eyes, I, I look like I'm probably his favorite. We still see each other all the time. But that being feeling like I needed to be seen comes from that. Now, through my entire life, I always did things in the, I don't want to say it's like the negative way, but it's that it's that I need to be seen to prove myself. I need to be seen to, uh, to, to, to create connection. Cause if I'm seen, if I'm that jokester, if I'm that kind of over the top person, then my dad will see me. And so I joined the police to be seen also to be seen by my wife and by my family as doing a career that would help. Then when I left the police, I threw everything into the police to being seen, to help people be seen in that. And I was actually doing that. Then when I left the police, it was like, well, now I don't have that, that level of, in my head being seen. And because I now no longer have the status of I'm a cop. I'm not the people that look that people look up to anymore. And so that's where I had attached that not knowingly. This is all subconscious. Now, consciously, I was I left the police and went, who the hell am I? I'm not a cop anymore. But it actually was tied to a negative aspect of my of my why. So when you can recognize your why, then you can shift it, you can change it. So now I'm like, okay, well, mm. I'm, what I did was a cop so that I could be seen. Not I didn't have to be a cop to be seen. It was so that I could be seen and I could help people see themselves because I was in that place. Now I get to do that same thing. And how do I apply that? And so when it comes to getting out of it and moving out of it, it's the awareness. It's the awareness of if we actually know what our why is internally, that kind of that thing that's already been there, we don't have to create it. We just need to find it. When we find it, we can then apply it to whatever we do. So I coaching, for example, I'm a, I'm a coach. I know you are as well, Johnny. I'm a coach. I help people truly see themselves so that they can create the best version of themselves. And so if I'm constantly living from that, cool. Then it means that I can sit there and take a day off and go paragliding because now I'm showing them that, hey, I'm going to go see myself so that I create a better, better version of myself. And then we do better. And so what you do doesn't really matter. You can apply it to whatever it is. Now there's certain things that, fill it more than others but that's how my belief when we if we really do know that that why and then we start to go okay well what things are out there that serve it just like what i was doing before the what we're doing um has a little bit less impact on who we are and then when people ask who are you instead of what do you do like when people ask what i do i go i help people see themselves 
Yeah. <laughs> and so, because that, 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 yeah. that is who I am. It's, 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 I'm, I, I, I help myself and others see ourselves. And mm. so, yeah, when you know that you can then, it, that, that what you do, you can then make what you do serve you more. You can then also, when you go to leave it, it doesn't hold on to you as much. And you're not like, Hey, that is me. I have to have a uniform on and I have to have a badge or I have to have a gun or I have to be making this level of impact, but actually no, wait a second. I just need to be who I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and to that point too, it's, I think people, um, the second piece to, you know, when you asked me that question, the first piece was disassociating from, you know, something that was given to you about why you did something as opposed to, you know, finding it yourself. The second piece is realizing that like, you are the hero of your own story. And so many people, and this is men and women alike, so many people want to sit out there and play the the Robin to everybody else's Batman in their own fucking story. And you're like, bro, th this isn't, you're literally supposed to be Batman or you're supposed to be, you know, whatever character you want, Superwoman, right? For all you ladies out there. You're literally supposed to be that character and you're choosing to be like, oh, no, I'm going to play Alfred. You're like, what? what? This is this is your your movie. Yeah. Like, so it, it's just fascinating to me. And we all do this and I'm not judging people. I've done this in my life as well. We defer that hero to being somebody else because we're like, we make up all the excuses. Oh, oh it's too late in life. I'm too old. Oh, I didn't start young enough. Oh, I don't have the skills. Oh, I have this dead end job. Oh, this, oh, that. So many excuses that we all make up. And the excuse, the excuse monster comes in and uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer talks about these as mind viruses. These mind viruses come in and they just plague our ability to, to see that we are the hero of our own story. And then we never believe we're the hero to our own story because guess why? We never talk to ourselves like we're the hero of our own story. We never see ourselves as Batman or Superwoman jumping into a situation where people are in trouble and us actually saving them. We don't look at ourselves that way. We see, every, we see other people that way, but we don't see ourselves that way. And so that's the other piece is, is that I think when, when people come out of these high octane lives, you put it perfectly. You were given skills. Like you were given some real awesome skills to not only raise your, when you do find your why or your purpose to not only raise that up even more, it prepared you to actually be able to do that. But it also prepared you to say, Hey, I can still be that person that I believed I was. I'm just writing the story. Now I'm the one that's developing the purpose and I get to be the hero of that story. And so when people see themselves now, we're, we're de denied this in a lot of ways and deterred from thinking this way because society's classified that as selfish, right? Like anybody that thinks of themselves as, uh, yeah, it's like anybody that thinks of themselves in a high fashion, right? And I'm not saying that people need to think they're invincible, but I'm saying if you think of yourself as somebody who can do things and get things done and be the leader and be the first you're looked at as selfish, you're looked at as egotistical, and you're not looked at in a good light. And it's like, wait, I'm sorry, but just because I'm good at all these things and I can do this and I can be that hero in my own story and also help other people along, I'm egotistical and, and arrogant? No, no, no. I can be the hero in my story and help other people. And just because you're projecting your insecurities on me 
doesn't mean I have to live by those insecurities. And I think that's the next piece that people need to find is that because, you know, like I said, this flag, I'm pointing to this behind me, that flag became what I was attached to, what many men were attached to that I fought with. But then when they leave, they lose that because that was still their purpose, even though that was never really their purpose, right? So they uh, they they have to find their own purpose, but then they have to be like, yeah, I have my purpose and I get to be the hero of that purpose. I get exactly. to champion that purpose. Exactly. Yeah. No, like imagine knowing that purpose. And this is why I'm so passionate about the pre stuff, the prep work is imagine knowing yeah. that actual purpose and then applying that purpose to the flag to what you're doing in the military imagine the impact that you'd be you would have you know not that you didn't do exceptional stuff not that i didn't do exceptional stuff but we would have done even more i know we would have because it would have been tied to us and it wouldn't have felt like at times it was draining us and it was sucking from us it's like no this is i get to do this <laughs> i get to yeah. i get to help people be seen by arresting somebody or by talking to them in the back of a patrol car or by taking that extra moment with the with the with the victim or by giving that kid a hug because their 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 father just passed away instead of going oh no 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 that's yep. gonna look bad and i can't do that because of this xyz blah blah, blah because the badge says i shouldn't mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so and the the other important piece there too is that like the 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 training, which we talked about before, the training that we do is important because what happens is when we when we disassociate from those previous lives, from the, the previous high octane life that kept us with, you know, our perceived purpose, when we end up separating from that, we also then be like, well, ah, we don't have to, I don't have to train as much now. I don't need to do these things, right? Like I, I can, I can kind of, man, I gave so much, I trained so hard, I, I don't need to do that as much anymore. No, you still do, because that is what made you so good in that job that you were actually not serving your own purpose. How do you think you're going to serve your purpose when you find it if you're not training yourself? You know, people say people use the term luck. Everybody uses luck. I'm not a believer in luck. It's not a thing. What luck is, is when preparation and opportunity meet each other. So if you train, you're prepared. When the opportunity comes, you're ready to take that opportunity on and it creates what everybody else refers to as luck. But what you're going to refer to it as is just progress because you saw something, you were able to absorb it and you were able to transmute it into something in your life that was beneficial because you were trained and you were prepared, not because you sat on your fat ass eating Cheetos. Yep. <laughs> Couldn't, couldn't say it any better, John. Yeah. <laughs> Sit on your fat ass and eat Cheetos. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, Cheetos, tasty. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's so true. And you know, how we turn up, I, I, I say this all the time, how we turn up in the gym is a lot of times how we turn up in life. You know, yeah. if you turn up, if you turn up to the gym and you sit on your phone the whole time and you, and you call it workout, like I have times where I'll hop on my phone, I'll be on it and I'm like, mother, motherfucker, get back to work, Chris. And then, and so the next set, I push a little bit harder because I just, you know, I, be, I, I use the beating myself up a little bit from, from sitting on my phone for, you know, I'm doing a, a two minute rest instead of 60 second rest. But when we, how we turn up in the gym, how we turn up to our physical training, again, we talked about, I talked about that physiology, how we turn up to that physiology then shifts and focuses the whole day differently. If we turn up to the yep. gym and we have one of those days, like I had the other day where, or like you had as well this week where you turn up and you're like, oh, it's just movement. 
okay, cool. Well, if you shift and you change that of, Hey, this is movement, but it's helping me still see myself or it's helping me still apply my purpose and my why. Cool. The rest of the day doesn't become that slump that so many people, so many of my clients that I've worked with on the fitness side of stuff end up in of, Oh, my training was shit. So my day is shit. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be. And so how you turn up in the gym is and to your physical training creates the rest of, I believe creates a lot of the rest of your life. And I'd love to have your opinion on it as well being, you know, the training that we do. And I see it on your social media, especially lately, posting a lot of videos going hard and shit. You're looking great as well, brother, just to give you, let you know as well. Um, is yeah, it, it, it's that how we train is how we turn up to the rest of our lives. So that having that good foundation, that, that self time of, the training is just for us. It's not for the spec ops teams. It's not for the mission. It's for us so that we can then turn up better. I'd love to know your thoughts on that um, as we kind of wrap up. Yeah, the, this is all the reason why there's a, a direct psychological aspect to this. And the reason why is because you're having integrity with yourself. And what is integrity? The way that we the way that we talked about integrity in spec ops was what do you do when nobody else is looking? Are you the person that picks up the trash and puts it in the trash can when you see it on the ground? Or are you the one that walks by and says someone else will get it? That's dirty. That's yucky. I don't want to touch it. Are you the one that says, man, I'm really feeling like lethargic and fat today. And man, it's getting late. I don't, I'm just going to take today off. Or are you the guy or gal that says, it's getting late, but you know what? Even if I go in and get 30 minutes, I'm going to feel great. Let me go do that. Like right. it's integrity with yourself. Bedros talks about this a lot. He says, when you get up in the morning and you put your alarm on and that alarm goes off, if you hit the snooze button, you already have one L for the day. And then you keep stacking up those L's every day and every hour after that. And all you end up with losses because you're already priming your day with a loss. You said, Hey, I know you set this alarm last night with an intention. I'm not going to have that intention anymore. And guess what? I'm going to give you a break. And guess what happens? Psychologically, we lose respect for ourselves. We lose value for ourselves. And we lose that sense of integrity. So we think that we can just lie to ourselves all the time. That's what that is about. So when you go and push hard in the gym and you're like, no, I showed up and I threw my phone over there and I said, I'm not touching that other than to change a stupid song. Like, that is the people who are like, no, I have integrity with myself. They're the ones that are building real confidence. They're building real change in themselves because they're like, no, I'm not playing fuck fuck games, talking to people and playing grab ass with everybody over by the squat machine. I'm freaking putting my phone down, putting my earbuds in. I'm getting here and I'm getting at it because this is for me. This is not for anybody else. I'm doing this. Imagine nobody else is looking because nobody else on Instagram is going to know unless you show them. So just imagine if you never showed them, but you look great all the time they would know. Right. So that's all about integrity for me. Yeah, no, I, I believe it as well. You know, I got tattoos, my whole right, my whole left arm is all got tats. I know you got tats, Johnny, my very first tattoos, honor and family. And for those that are watching can see it, it's tattooed mm -hmm. on my arm, honor and family, that honor, I honor myself, number one, first, then I honor my family, then I honor work. Yeah. And that, that whole thing, that's why I turn up to the gym 4am. I'm up like this morning, I was up at six because we were we were meeting and then we had things going on. And my wife goes, Why are you getting up at six? I was like, because I told myself I would. I got mm -hmm. shit to do. Yeah, I need to prime myself yeah. for the day. We got stuff going on this evening for Thanksgiving and that, you know, it's honor. 
I'm honoring myself. So I love yeah. that, you know, that integrity, you know, one of the values of the place is honor. You do what you say you're going to do. Yep. Absolutely. You got to own your word and you got to own, it's very important. You own your word to other people, but you also own your word to yourself. Most because as soon as you can't, yeah, because as soon as you lose faith in your own word to yourself, you'll never respect your word to other people. Yeah, exactly. It's a flow on. Awesome. Johnny, any last words as we, as we wrap up and I'll go with mine afterwards. No, man, I, I just appreciate being on here and everybody listening. Like, yeah, you, you might have struggles. You might have pain. You might be in ruts. All of us, every single one of us on this planet go through that. And you're not alone in that. So just remember that when you're in those moments, they don't last forever and you can make the choice to change them. Yeah. Can agree more. Yeah. Just take action is my thing. Take some sort of messy action. If you, if you don't, if you're seeing something in your life that you're not, like, you're not super, you're not a hundred percent. Like you don't want to share it to the world, share it with your partner. If there's something going on, take action to change it. That's the only thing that you can do. Uh, I, I do it through the gym. I do it through training uh, to start with, but then it's, yeah, it's just take that messy action uh, and watch what happens in, in, in another year and two years, 10 years. Yeah. Love that brother. Awesome. Thank you everybody for listening and watching. Uh, this was another great episode with Johnny, uh, and another great conversation. I love having conversations with your brother. And one day we will both get in the gym together and, and put each other through each other's paces <laughs> and it'll be a good day. Absolutely brother. <laughs> Can't wait, man. Appreciate awesome. you brother. Awesome. Appreciate you as well, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing amazing things. And uh, if you don't know who Johnny is, uh, yeah, make sure you get over and you, you follow him on his uh, Instagram for my, if I, where I'm posting this up, we will put this in. Um, I'll put it all in the description and yeah. And Thanks, likewise, brother. if you're listening on my stuff, make sure you go check out Chris. He's awesome, dude. And if you're into motorcycles, he does an amazing motorcycle tour. I think you're bringing it to the U S yeah. you also do it in New Zealand. So super dope. Make sure you give him a follow, check him out, see what he's got going on. He's a special human. Thank you, yeah, brother. Man, we're, we're running a good retreat. And uh, yeah, I'm going to add on to that. I'm just going to add one more thing. Since you brought up the motorcycle retreat, make sure you check out Johnny's wild man experience because I haven't been able to attend it, but I can tell you this. I'm, I'm coming, brother. I'm coming. Next, 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 <laughs> I'm going to have to make this thing happen because it just looks like high octane, but also just connect, again, connecting into yourself, knowing who you are through it all. So, you know, that's all we're doing. Um, and I, I love it. So go check out Johnny's wild man experience because shit, man, it looks, it looks off the chain. Both of them. He ran two of them this year. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you.